Hello and welcome to BGP Connect. I'm Thea Rowe and I'm here with our MD, Tracy Pollard. Mental wellbeing has been at the forefront of a lot of our conversations over the past year, but particularly at the moment, it's incredibly topical. It's not just COVID, but we've been hearing about so many different experiences. As a society, we've all focused on looking after our bodies with regular trips to the gym, but now we seem also to be focused on our minds and we really understand how important it is, as, as important say, as looking after our bodies. I think COVID definitely has reinforced this. Um, I think the Olympics over the summer, though, also really highlighted the importance of focusing on your mind and, and the likes of Simone Bile being so public about the need to look after her own mental well-being was, was really prominent and, and probably great role model for so many other generations yeah absolutely I think to prioritize your mental health at a time when you want to showcase all that hard work that you've done over the last sort of four or five years it's it's really incredibly brave and shows a real strength of character yeah completely agree having seen how so many well-known people are now talking about mental health and their mental well-being um, I guess it really makes it a much more public discussion and, and hearing about, say, Lady Gaga and how she deals with her uh, sort of mental health issue on a daily basis or Ariana Grande coping with PTSD, that must really help people who are in similar situations and you know think that these role models have perfect lives but realise that we all share similar sort of concerns and, and worries. So this new openness to mental health and well-being in general has led to a number of changes which actually are relevant to what we do in the property industry. Absolutely. I guess as an agency we've got a strong background in development and and we work with landlords and help them advise on how to future-proof their sites and and many of these are, are big office or residential developments which include retail on the ground floor um, but we've been lucky to see sort of you know landlords at early stages um, evolve their buildings and see how they are meeting the demands from occupiers certainly a lot of them want to be more sustainable and, and we've definitely seen that and I think in the last 18 months or two years there seems to be this increasing sort of step beyond sustainability into sort of the wellness of a building and how that then helps attract potential office tenants um, I guess we're seeing landlords wanting sort of to enhance their provision of health and wellness in their shopping centres and their, their developments and, and almost have a one-stop shop. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a real increase in potential new tenants, which is great, especially when we've seen that reduction in number of people looking full stop because of COVID. Um, you know, Remind in Eccleston Place, yep. London Cryo and Hot Pod Yoga, that's all focusing on our well-being and they're sort of looking at space which traditionally might have suited fashion tenants, but, but, but yeah, they're looking to take that over instead. And I guess one of the trends that we're seeing as we're all venturing back into the office on a more regular basis is that need for convenience. So if you're going to come into the office, you want to be in a sort of the best location and the best building you possibly can. And if that provides, you know, that's because the building provides these additional health and well-being facilities as well as great F&B. I think that's something that the office tenant is looking for. Yeah, exactly. And I know you just mentioned you know, looking after our bodies, why don't we look after our minds as well? And so it's it, this sort of transition, I think, is happening that we will we'll do that all in, in one place. And whilst we're on our way to the office, why not think about our mental health as well and, and go into one of these places like Remind, etc.? 
Absolutely. I guess you've got first-hand experience of having worked with the SOAK um, to see how their business has changed over the course of the last uh, six months and are now looking for their second unit. Yeah, definitely. So I met Marion at the SOAK, well, we both met Marion at the SOAK about two and a half years ago. Um, and I think that sort of triggered, was one of our triggers to really start thinking about, about mental well-being, particularly the way she sort of spoke so passionately as well. Um, and found the first site after some, some digging around in South Kensington on the Fulham Road. And um, Mariam opened in October, it was in the end, after all the various um, stoppages with COVID and lockdowns. Um, and already she's looking for site two. But yes, so I went to speak to Mariam and she's helped us with our, with our podcasts. And we spoke about... Um, mental health and making it more approachable which is definitely what the soak itself has done because it's got this incredible feel to it that makes you feel more relaxed and takes away the stigma I suppose of of a, of a clinic as think, you might yeah. think about it. You almost feel like you're in a boutique hotel yeah, rather than sort of a clinical white sort of harsh environment it's got beautiful artwork on the walls and, and stunning sort of furniture that you kind of just automatically feel relaxed in deep breath into a sort of comfy sofa I think it makes a very big difference into the way you you approach it rather than being up tight and tense you're yeah. relaxed before you even go in for your your counseling or you know your therapy definitely and art the artwork actually is was was born later on in when, with their fit out but actually has become a big part of their ethos and and also using art um as a way of of helping deal with mental um mental health or, or mental wellness and um, particularly with children I believe um, so they'll be taking that forward as well into their into their other uh, locations, but yes, Mariam um, spoke a bit more about the soap going forward and and how she sees mental wellness over the next few years. And I was lucky enough to host the podcast at the soap, which, as Tracy's just said, is a lovely location to be in. So good morning, Mariam. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Um, today we are with Mariam from the soap. And the SOAK is a mental wellbeing centre in South Kensington. I met Mariam about two and a half years ago, I think, now, on a quest to find the perfect first site, um, which I think took a while in the end. Yes. But we found a prestigious property um, on, well, an old, a very historically an old pub, actually, wasn't it? But yeah. when, we looked, when we looked around, it was actually a wedding dress shop. Um, and Mariam has transformed the property and it looks fantastic and it's, it's a, bringing a completely new um, approach to mental well-being. I don't know if you'd like to say a few words, Mariam, about the soak. Um, thank you for asking me um, mm-hmm. to, to be on the podcast. Um, yes, so we, we came to you, we, we actually contacted a few agents in different areas and I literally drove around looking for mm-hmm. properties that had a for rent sign outside, uh, and then one of your existing clients, I believe, who who deals in uh, works in mostly sort of towards the west end of London, um, said, "Look, why don't you contact them? This is not their turf, and it's not their specialty, but they'll look and they'll find if they can." Uh, and you did, and we found this space in uh, on the Fulham Road, which is it's a fairly iconic building um, on the junction of Fulham Road and Old Church Street. And there's a florist outside. And the minute you say to anybody, the building with the florist outside, 
everybody knows exactly which one we're talking about and everybody has a different uh, memory of what it's been so some people will say I remember when it was a pub some people will say I remember when it was a pop-up gallery and we've uh, yeah we've transformed it from a, a, a sort of a, a beautiful but tired building into something that is we hope um, warm and welcoming from the get-go it's it's a beautiful building that changes depending on um, both the time of day depending on the light mm -hmm. and also to some extent with the season mm -hmm. so it felt like a very cozy building um, in the winter yeah. when we first opened you know there was short days and so from about 3 30 in the afternoon um, it was dark and people came in and sort of from the cold outside mm -hmm. And it was That's lovely. Right. And and now, um, now that it's summer and and it's bright, everybody comes in and loves the fact that it is so open and bright and um, airy. So, um, so yes, it's it's a we're very very happy here. And everybody who comes in says they want to move in, um, <laughs> but they'd have to fight me off first because I'd like to move in. <laughs> and when you were fitting out initially, people were quite intrigued about what was going on yeah. inside weren't they yeah they were and on our on our I think the first um the first week we kind of like we half fitted it out and we'd had stickers on the window so people couldn't look in and then we pulled the stickers off and people were literally coming up and mm -hmm. sort of cupping their eyes against the window trying to see what we and nobody could work it out and um the name isn't necessarily an indicator. We don't have anything that says, you know, mental health centre or anything mm -hmm. like that. So uh, I think people still are intrigued. The florists outside tell us that they're regularly asked by their customers, what is the SOAK? Mm. Uh, and it's, it's spelt S-O-K-E rather than S-O-A-K. Mm. So uh, it doesn't really mean anything that would point people in the right direction. The name came about from when you were initially... Um, well, when you were thinking that you wanted to be around South Kensington yeah. area, is that right? Yeah. So I, when when I was sort of conceiving of the idea, I always knew that it, I wanted it to be around here because I felt that um, I wanted something that would serve a, a, a local community rather than be in an area where, such as Harley Street, people have to travel to to see a doctor and it feels quite... Um, removed from their lives it's something they have to do rather than something that's part of their life mm -hmm. so location was important um and i was referring to it in all my paperwork so the working title was the south kensington mm -hmm. center um, and then i just started abbreviating it to s-o-k-e and i previously my previous career was in branding so i was i'd always intended to spend a lot of time and thought into what this would be called mm. um, and then, and I thought that I what was important was to give it a name that didn't mean anything that had people would have preconceptions of mm. so you know if you call it let's say the lantern you know I think people have a certain image or mm -hmm. the um, or even Priory which is an exact existing brand in in this uh, sphere um, and I thought I want something where people will say what what does that mean what is it so that they would do their own discovery rather than have a notion of what we might be mm -hmm. um, and eventually just that SOKE abbreviation 
seem to be the most obvious answer sort of right in front of us so we just uh, settled with the soak um, and yeah and it's it's had the effect that we'd hoped people are saying what, what is, is that it? what does it mean um, and they're very disappointed when they get the answer <laughs> but, but it works yeah they can't just come in and have yeah. a drink <laughs> no <laughs> thank you um so I suppose I'll, I'll kick off with some of the questions that we'd um, prepared. And the first one is really about um, mental well-being, and it, it's such an important... What would you say sort of makes you stand out from other centres or, or other... I don't know if you really do have a direct arrival, really, but what makes you stand out from, from other mental well-being centres? I think there, there are various aspects of what we do... Um, which we could point to as being different. Mm-hmm. Um, my own experience, when I first uh, both, I, I qualified as a psychotherapist whilst I had a branding agency. I, I was able to sort of take some time out and I was really interested in this particular world, in a mental health world. I was interested in psychotherapy. So I approached this whole sector both as a user and eventually as a provider Mm. and from both perspectives it came up short as a provider I felt that there wasn't much of a safety net there wasn't enough support there wasn't a way where I could talk to my peers and colleagues um, beyond an informal conversation sort of in a corridor sort of thing um and or uh, supervision which is what we refer to as sort of somebody that you speak to who is your superior effectively um and and who helps you navigate some of the emotional obstacles that you might come across as well as the way that you work um and from the user perspective i was very conscious of the absence of a service element so you walk into your therapist's office or room you have a 50 minute session during which you would speak only of whatever it was that was on your mind and there was no support beyond before or after you know there are boundaries so you can't cross them you would ask questions i remember asking for example you know how do i know if this is the right fit how do i know if you know you're the right therapist for me i'm new to this and my therapist's response was why do you feel the need to know which is a classic therapy response yeah. and she was trying to explore my control issues but actually i genuinely wanted to know how do i find the right therapist yeah. A lot of people were talking about the normalization of therapy, that it should be uh, something that is part of your day-to-day life, that you shouldn't be ashamed and so on. And yet, when somebody went to seek out therapy, they were still having to go through the experiences if they're a patient, as if there's something wrong with them. They would go into a clinical environment, be treated as if they were going to any other doctor. That's if there is a reception area or anything like that. And and there was no um, nobody that they could turn to to hold their hand through the process. I'm talking incidentally about the private outpatient sector. Yes. I'm sure the NHS 
has has some mechanism for some of these things, but certainly not if you're just somebody who's thinking, I'd like to talk to somebody. Um, so I wanted to create something that addressed these shortcomings from both aspects. On the provider side, I wanted to have a setup where therapists not only had the opportunity but were actually obliged to talk to each other uh, and compare notes and support each other and have different ideas and so on, on on a daily basis. Therapists with different qualifications, psychiatrists with different specialties, and we've done that here. We have an hour every day that's blocked off where nobody can see clients, and all of our therapists and, and psychiatrists get together in a room and they talk about the cases and if somebody needs help, guidance, advice um, from a colleague, they can get it there. If there is a problem, they can again uh, sort of have, have support from the centre as well because some of our teams sit in in those meetings to make sure that from an administrative and organisational point of view, we can provide support if it's needed. Um, and we also, because of the different qualifications, this creates an opportunity for them to cross-refer if it's needed. So let's say somebody comes in and says, I am having problems uh, at work. I have communication issues with my colleagues, my peers, whatever it is. And it might transpire that, and this is a very random hypothetical example, they have... Uh, either a confidence problem or an anger issue and so on. So we might say, okay, you know, therapy is a, is a good way to sort of deal with this particular problem. Let's overcome that. And then at the end of it, the therapist might say, look, you've seen me for four sessions. I think we've got somewhere where you've got a grasp of what it is. I think it would be good if for the other two sessions or four sessions or whatever it is that you... Uh, work with my colleague who perhaps has more experience in coaching and communication and we pay all of our therapists for the time that they spend here so nobody makes more money by hanging on to a client um, nobody gains from having more clients or fewer clients they get paid for the day and this was a method for us to protect clients and make sure that they were always put at the sort of centre of any plan that we created for them. Because elsewhere in the private sector, um, all the therapists are self-employed, aren't they? So That's it right. makes it more difficult, yeah. I suppose. I mean, but... even if you go to a building, for example, in Harley Street, which might be called, you know, the therapy centre or the whatever, um, and, and any medical centre, really, what it is, is it's a building where people rent rooms mm -hmm. and they are responsible. They, they if they see, uh, you know, they'll say, for example, you know, Thursdays I work there and regardless of one client or 10 clients, they have to pay the rent for that day. So whilst I'm not suggesting that people necessarily make decisions based on that, it makes a difference. I have been in situations both myself and friends have turned to me and said, 
you know, I'm not sure if he's kind of saying that I need to see you for six months because he really needs to see me or because he's he wants to make sure he's got a source of income for the next yes. six months. So we're taking those considerations out both for the therapist mm-hmm. and for the client. So they can be sure that whatever the therapist says, there's no financial gain in it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's quite a... That's quite a sort of a, a, a revolutionary, I suppose, um, approach in in our sector. Um, and and we've added, you know, I mentioned earlier about the, you know, what do you do outside the therapy room? What if you want to find out if somebody is the right therapist for you? Um, we've brought somebody in. We've we've created a client service department, and their role is to really sort of hold the client's hand from the get-go, from the minute they pick up the phone and they say, I think I need therapy, I'm not sure this is my issue. Somebody can talk to them, find out if there is an issue and help them choose the right therapist. And we've had many occasions where we've said, it sounds like you might benefit from X. For example, we've had some, a couple of kids who we thought, you know what, sitting in a room talking to somebody is not going to work for them. Let's refer them to an industry colleague who does equine therapy where they can be out in the fresh air. They don't have to face their therapist. They can be on top of a horse or on the other side of a horse brushing it or whatever. And um, the client services director and that team make that call. They sort of say, this is what we think you need. Here are your choices. You decide. And I mentioned the, the team meetings that we have every day. The client services director sits in that meeting and uh, makes sure that the client's voice is, is heard and is present. So if a therapist says, you know, I think they should have X, um, she's there to say, I know that this client does not like this, that or the other or has a particular reason why they don't want to do that and makes sure that it's always client-centred, our approach. Mm, which is definitely very different to um, yeah. the other. Yeah. Absolutely. Very interesting. And also, I mean, the, the building itself is, is very um, welcoming. You sort of walk in and it's, a, it, it's approachable and it feels, no wonder, you know, no wonder people have been looking and wondering if, if, it, if it's, I don't know, a bar or a restaurant because mm. it feels um, so welcoming inside and I think that's something like you said doesn't feel medical at all and sort of takes away any stigma which is which is lovely yeah we we decided that we wouldn't have a reception desk Mm. um, because again we didn't want people to feel that they had to walk in and check in Uh, we pretty much always when they press the doorbell they come in and somebody walks to them and usually knows who they are yes They'll be expecting them. They'll They'll greet them by name and Mm. so on. Um, And we wanted our brief to our designers was we want somewhere that feels luxurious, but also feels like a place where you can let your dog run around free Mm. and put your feet on the table if you want to. It's okay. So comfort was more important than anything else. It, It needed to feel relaxing and... I think from the feedback that we've had, we've we've managed to achieve that. Everybody feels comfortable, it seems, when they come in. Um, and we've also 
again, uh, uh, something for clients is that we've created these pods where, uh, again, from my personal experience, you would come out of therapy and you would be back in the hustle and bustle. And sometimes you just need a little time to process. And you don't necessarily, again, if it's a centre where there's a waiting room, you don't want to go in and collect your thoughts where there are people waiting for their appointments. Mm -hmm. So we created what we're referring to as a relaxation pod. So every practice room has a little sort of nook attached to it where we have a, um, a daybed. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, I would refer to them as, a recliner, mm-hmm. yes. a, a luxury <laughs> recliner, and um, and it's very dark and it's sort of candle lit and you can just go in there for forty minutes and relax. Um, it's also something that we have a, a lot of frazzled parents who bring their kids here, mm. and when their child is in the session, then we give them the opportunity to go and relax and sort of just. Be in a quiet place yeah. where nobody's going to disturb them for the duration of their child session and that they really appreciate just that quiet time and we actually tell them you can come anytime you don't if you need to come back in the week you know give us a call if we've got a free pod you can come and use it and we say that to all our clients they're very welcome to to use us as their relaxation space if we can accommodate them we're very happy to do it and, and mentioning families, I mean, this centre opened uh, autumn, end of August. August. Uh, uh, sorry, October. Uh, yeah, autumn. Um, October 2020. And you know, we're already thinking about site two within the same borough. And that's because of the sort of demand you've had from, from families, really, isn't it? So that yeah. you can yeah. centre either, um, either one of the um, properties that will be more family focused and, yeah. and then one more adult more adult focused yeah we uh, we'd always intended to expand fairly quickly mm. we, we sort of have our site set on one center each year for the next few years because we believe um, for all the sort of right reasons that mental health should and will become something that everybody wants to access mm-hmm. um, we had originally plan for centre two to be in the city Um, but sort of life and the world uh, sort of upended our plans (laughs) and what we have realised in the last year uh, in the last few months I should say particularly since January is that the demand and the need more than anything else is for children and adolescents and family services so this centre whilst we always intended to see children and and so on we never designed this with them sort of as at the forefront of our mind so we thought we will design the next one really with children and adolescents as our focus create a center that's better suited to them and um, we therefore, because our service between our two centres is going to be quite different, this will look after adults and that will look after children up to 16. Yes. Uh, there's no reason for us to go into a different neighbourhood. And for operational reasons, it also makes sense for our second centre to be close by so that we can continue to share 
people and knowledge and everything uh, within a 10 minute walk we can have therapists going back and forth because some of our therapists and practitioners see adults as well as children so they might choose to work in the morning over there and the afternoon here um and yeah that's um so that's hopefully all being well going to be within walking distance we'll have our second center opening at the end of this year so we'll just get in with our promise to open one each year yeah in the middle of um, a global pandemic so it's quite impressive um and i suppose talking about um where they might be if you could sort of click your fingers and go to any other country in the world where would you open another site well, it really depends where it's sunnier and my features. <laughs> I think the idea behind the soak was to make mental health care feel normal and accessible and n- not frightening. And therefore, going to America, for example, would is not that exciting, even though everybody thinks, well, it's the you know the mecca of all. Uh, all things mental health care but it's it's not interesting for us because we're not we want to change people's minds and we don't have to you know we don't want to preach to the choir which we would be doing in the states the the places that we're looking um, toward for the future are places where culturally they're not hugely dissimilar to the UK they're about the same they might be a couple of years behind us so for example Melbourne and Australia you know mental health is still slowly on the rise there people are you know the culture is starting to talk about normalizing mental health care and so that's quite an interesting sort of place you know we've we, we have uh investors who live in Singapore we've got a, a couple of investors who live in Singapore and they keep saying you need to come here we the, you know, the demand here is high so there are lots of interesting and exotic places mm-hmm. most of which I've never visited before so I feel I, I'm I'm talking without really knowing what I'm talking about but we have a lot of ambition and we hope to to be able to sort of spread the word we certainly intend to be an international brand it means you'll get to travel the world a bit. It does, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we, we're sort of um, giving ourselves a bit of a wheel of fortune question. And so this is slightly different to what we've been talking about. But um, is there any one person, brand or company that has particularly inspired you personally in life? And if so, why? Um, I think that the answer to brand is no mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm inspired by people I know yes. I'm very rarely inspired by somebody that I see on TV because I think there are so many interesting stories around us um, that I can access that I can, I can get the full context yes. um, and I, I am inspired by friends and relatives that I've the who who have egged me on, who've give, who've believed in me, and when I want to do well, I often want to do well for them, not to prove anything, mm. but to make sure they're not sort of disappointed. Um, I have a 
uh, a, a friend who three years ago when I was running my branding agency, she and I shared an office. She was setting up an organization uh, which is called On the Edge Conservation. Her name is Beth Blood. Um, and her organization, her, her idea was rather than sort of giving money to charity and her passion was for animals yeah. uh, that were sort of on the, on, on the edge of extinction. Mm. Uh, she would create a cartoon that children, based on certain animals that are going extinct, and the reason they're going extinct is because they're not very attractive. So children, or, or generally, it's not easy to raise money for some weird three-fingered old eye thing when you've got a panda. <laughs> yeah. You know, the yeah. panda is stealing all the glory. Mm. So she thought if she, if she makes a cartoon and ch introduces the characters to children through the cartoon, they will then buy the merchandising, raise the profile of these animals, and her she she and her husband funded this whole venture mm. and all the money goes to these causes that helps the animals and she i suppose in relation to the soak was my biggest inspiration mm. first of all she encouraged me and she said if you do it we'll back you so i felt comforted that somebody who i respected enormously and who was doing something meaningful herself had faith in my idea um, and said this is good, you should do it. And I knew that I wanted to do something that wasn't just about um, personal gain, but about something that had impact, um, both culturally and also hopefully in, in the sense that we would, we would do something good. And I gen she, it's because of her that I believe that business should be about doing something beyond benefiting stakeholders yes um she sort of drove that message into me on a daily basis so the soak from the minute it was conceived there was always going to be um a social responsibility element and we set up the foundation at which she is one of the trustees um and a percentage of the profits that we make here as well as five pounds from every single session goes towards the SOAP Foundation and that helps mental health projects that may have lost funding or are being set up uh, that need a little bit of a, a leg up. So I would say in, in relation to the SOAP, certainly she and her business were an inspiration, both as a, as a methodology to do something good yes. um, and as somebody who believed in an idea and therefore inspired me to, to go after what I wanted. Um, that's lovely to hear someone so close to you that you know so well yeah. inspired you. It's, it's, it's much more meaningful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just talking about the Soak Foundation, um, that's something that you're really quite passionate about, isn't it? And something that you, well, obviously you're perceiving some longevity yes. going forward. Uh, well, I, 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 we haven't actually done anything with it, I should say, um, mm -hmm. because we haven't come up to our first year yet. <laughs> and that's when. Uh, we are supposed to be looking around and seeing who we can help. And after one year, we won't have a huge amount. We're, we're not going to be in profit this year, so it's just whatever we've made from our, uh, from our sessions. Uh, and we're going to look around and see what we can do with that. 
But in the long term, absolutely, I'd, I would like the Soak Foundation not to only be sort of a source of funding, but to be a voice that campaigns for changes and, uh, and really does significant things in the mental health sphere. And I hope that one day, if I'm not involved with the Soak directly, uh, I will continue to be involved with the foundation um, and do, do something keep myself busy through that and keep echoing the, the do good yeah rather than anything else and and i mean i guess we've sort of briefly touched on upon um wanting to be in the royal borough but why was it london specifically um in the uk that it was so important to to launch the soak well it's home to me so <laughs> it was the most obvious place I know London yeah. I'm a Londoner mm. I, you know, I've, I've lived here for decades now um, and I know this borough and I also believed that um, what the, what I plan to do with with the help of colleagues I know I'm, I'm conscious that I'm saying I a lot but actually I couldn't do this without the people that I work with mm-hmm. um, who, who bring their each brings their own expertise um, and so my contribution is no more significant than theirs um, but the the idea was to create something that would really look and feel different and we needed to therefore invest in it quite heavily um, to do all the things that we want to do such as for example paying therapists for a full day's work even though they might only see one client Um, we needed we needed a a decent amount of backing and that and we also in order then to be able to um, raise enough money or, or or turn over enough money to be able to then grow slowly slowly so i i wanted the the soak had to be something that could become self-sustaining through its income uh, and that we didn't need to keep borrowing to continue to provide this sort of premium service mm-hmm. our long-term plan ultimately is to be able to open something that's almost like a high street version of what we're doing now so that everybody can access it but at the moment in order to fund uh, such plans and fund the level of service that we'd like to provide we needed to be in a borough where we knew the local community could become a large part of our customer base effectively Um, and but ironically, actually, particularly with the family services, we're finding we actually did a, you know, we sat down and looked at where people were coming from. Mm-hmm. And not even 50% of our clientele are from Kensington and Chelsea. Right. When it comes to children and family issues, people travel from all over to find the right place for them. And we're lucky enough to have the right team here that people really want to see. Mm. So being in Kensington, Chelsea has has not necessarily made much of a difference, um, but we like it here. Yes, <laughs> and so you can see yourself being in other sort of um, metropolitan cities in the UK, it's very sort of oh, definitely, definitely, um, yeah, further north. Yeah, we will 
we will expand nationally as well as sort of trying to reach international markets. Uh, this is this is obviously our country and where we'd like to fly the safe flag more than anywhere else. Yeah, and then just as a, a bit of a roundup, really, but um, where and you you have sort of answered this about the safe the soak itself but where do you see mental wellness being or where do you ideally see mental wellness being within the sort of next 10 years i hope that in the next 10 years having a therapist or having somebody to whom you can talk about your well-being psychological well-being your behavioral well-being and generally how you might thrive will be something that everybody engages with. Once upon a time, I remember when I was a teenager, um, gyms were kind of a yuppie thing. Mm. Uh, That was in the days when mobile phones were gigantic bricks. (laughs) And nowadays, everybody um, goes to or has some sort of awareness of their physical health. Um, and I, I often use the example of, of the people that you see most at the gym and not the people that necessarily need to go to the gym most, mm-hmm. but they are the people that are the fittest because they're committed. And I think gradually we will come round to that idea that the more you engage with your mental health, the, the more well you will be. Mm. And it's no longer going to be sort of the forte of the people who are broken and need to be put back together. So I hope in 10 years, everybody will have some sort of plan for what they're doing about their mental well-being. Um, I really believe that that will be the case. I think mental health centers will crop up in gyms and in high streets everywhere. And we welcome that for sure. Absolutely. And and like we say, I think people are definitely starting to talk about mental health a lot more now. And it's just... Centres like the soap that's just going to help encourage people yeah, to absolutely to come to, yeah. to come and talk and that it is normal and yeah, like you say that it's not just because you need to be fixed but but it's something to just look after yourself. No, we we have a huge um, part of our setup is looking after people who who think they're doing great, but they know that if they have a tune up, they'll do even better. Yes, uh, corporate clients are. Uh, uh, we're actually setting up a corporate division called Soak Performance, which launches at the 1st of September, mm-hmm. uh, which is focused entirely on making people who are well um, feel at the top of their game and, and perform at the top of their game, whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and, and we know that athletes, for example, have... Um, a lot of psychological support there is absolutely no reason why people who work in regular industries can't have the same Same. sort of thing Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely great well thank you very much for your time thank you for having me